do not have an outline, it would be a good time to get one. They're out on the, the lectern out there because we're following our outline in the various parts of the book of Proverbs. And he was just walking, knocking on doors. 
and I didn't open it because I don't do that when Chad's on home. So um, uh, then just uh, on Saturday, um, this uh, my neighbor called the cops because there were people in the trees. They were dressed all in black in hoodies. And um, so I want you guys to be aware that there are people out there that are trying to probably rob us. I don't know. But my girlfriend in, in um, Grove City, she had the same guy walking through the neighborhood. I don't know if it's the same guy, but the same, you know. But um, he um, was in a Spectrum shirt with that vest. And um, so they don't do that. Spectrum doesn't do that. And they don't wear those vests. And they don't walk door to door. So you got to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Be aware of your surroundings. And during yes. this, uh, this time of year, people are scamming big time. So uh, be careful what you open on your computer. And because uh, there's a lot of. Hijacking got Another announcement before we get started. Uh, how many of you know the real story about Valentine's Day? That's what I thought. I, I thought I'd share with you a little bit. Uh, now this is, uh, people dispute different aspects, but this is the general story that's associated with Valentine's Day. Uh, the time frame of this is around 270 AD. Okay, the church has been functioning for a little short of three centuries and, and uh, there are all kinds of persecution going on against the church. Uh, this, the story occurs in Rome. Claudius is the emperor and Claudius hates the Christian church hates it, and is trying to do whatever he can to stifle its growth, but it's growing and growing and growing. So he uh, allows people to persecute Christians, and then he realizes the one of the main ways that the church is growing in Rome, in the Roman Empire, is by their emphasis on, on the family, on marriage, Christian marriage, which is not polygamous, but it's one man, one woman, for one lifetime together. And so he decides, because of the, the Roman Empire at that time is just spiraling downward uh, morally. They were always bad, but they're, you know, they've started uh, if you didn't want a baby that was born, you just set it out on the trash pile. And it was against the law to save it. Because, you know, children inter interfere with your debauchery. And uh, so Claudius, the emperor, thought that if he was really going to destroy the Christian church and their, all their morals and all of their... their uh, things that were against hedonistic behavior. He passed an edict, a law. There would be no marriages. 
that he wanted kind of a free love society that whoever homosexuality was was involved uh, bestiality was involved in Rome uh, all kinds of things going on and he knew that the, the Christian church was one man, one woman, one life together and so it was against the law to perform a Christian marriage at this time many of the churches many of the pastors didn't want to break the law and so they they stopped performing marriages uh, Valentine was a pastor a local pastor in Rome and he refused to comply with the law but he had to secretly perform marriage ceremonies and he kept preaching morality uh, chastity uh, all of these things in his church and it came to the attention of Claudius the Emperor that he was performing secret marriages they brought him to the Emperor and you know what Valentine did Pastor Valentine tried to witness to Claudius told him about Jesus told him that he needed to get his act together how many of you think that went well? Uh, no. Did not go well. He was immediately imprisoned and sentenced to die. His guards uh, would come and, and uh, bring him food and whatever. And one of the guards he witnessed to and led him to the Lord. And the, the, uh, the guard had a daughter who the guard led to the Lord. And she began to visit Valentine in prison. And they fell in love. Uh, and his last day on earth was February 14th. And on February 14th, he wrote a letter, gave it to the guard to give to his daughter. All my love, your Valentine. The next day, he was beheaded. And uh, so the, the story has its roots in the Christian church standing against rules of the day that uh, go against our basic beliefs. Boy, it sounds like today, doesn't it? The moral standard of our world is anti-God and anti-church and anti-morals. And uh, uh, some comply and go along with it, but uh, if we want to be true to the Lord, we need to stand against those kind of things. We, we still believe in one man, one woman for life. And we still believe that all these other things, these immoral things, are not a lifestyle. They are a, a lifestyle that leads to hell. And uh, look at our society and uh, figure it out. So the Christian family is still under attack from the society it lives in. So that's the story. In a nutshell, the story 
of Valentine's Day, use it as an opportunity to witness to somebody today and tell the story again. Okay, let's uh, move along. Get to our... Study for the day in Proverbs. We're walking wisely, and we're going to start today at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. If you're new to our study or missed a couple weeks, let me bring you up to speed. You say, well, you haven't got very far. No, we, we haven't. But uh, on your outlines, and there are outlines available out in the lobby there in the hallway. The first part of the Proverbs is an introduction that says the reason for the Proverbs. And then verse 7 is the first proverb which tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise godly instruction. And then we spent the next several weeks looking at all of the Proverbs that deal with the fear of the Lord. And we learned a lot about the fear of the Lord, of having a right relationship with God, where we stand in awe of Him and we reverence His Word and His ways. And that's the baseline for all the Proverbs. The Proverbs are not just nifty little fortune cookie sayings. They are based upon and predicated upon the fact that if you love God with your heart and you're trying to follow His ways, these are other instructions along the way. So the second segment of our study in Proverbs is uh, Proverbs about youth or to the youth. And we looked last time, God's wisdom for those who are younger than you. Uh, how many of you have some people you know of that are younger than you are? <laughs> it's not just talking about the youth or children or infants, uh, but anybody younger than you would be considered youth. Because in these youth proverbs that go on for uh, several, several chapters, children, youth, even young marrieds, how many of you know that even if you marry off your kids, they're still your kids and they still need your advice yes. and godly wisdom? Yes. Amen? Yeah. You, you never outgrow it. No. Get used to it. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, last week, we started off with the first youth proverb and dealing with the uh, some of the ramifications of, you know, if my son, you know, you need to follow these, you need to honor your father and your mother, that goes right along with the basics of God's Word. Amen? Amen. And uh, it's, it's going to help you. And then we concluded with, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is good advice to any generation, but it's something we need to pass along because today influence is a big deal. Look at uh, social media. And 
I'm thankful that our attorney general here in the state is trying to get, and the legislature, trying to get legislation passed that limits the power of social media to address our youth and our children. Yeah. Uh, but federal judges are standing in the way. They say, well, it's a free speech. They, it's free speech for them to get on social media. The legislation is, it needs to have parental approval. You know, that's, how many of you as, as parents limited what your children could see and what they could do and what I they could say? Well, you violated their free speech. Come on now. Come on now. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so, but social media is influencing our children, uh, our youth, young adults, everyone's being influenced. And, uh, if, as you scan social media, Facebook and X, Twitter, whatever, you, you find out that uh, everywhere you go, people's phone cameras are on, right? Yes, They're posting here, posting there, all kinds of things going on. And it's influence. And it gets right to the heart of the proverb here. If sinners entice you, do not consent. Sinners, those who sin, are not caring about you. They want to lure you to follow them. Why? Why do sinners, they don't like you, why, why do sinners want you to follow their path? Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. If you're walking with them, you will not witness to them. You will not bother them with the Word of God and with holy living. And in this, we found last week, and I'm just picking up from there, it says, if sinners entice you, and the word there means to lure, like a fishing lure, to attract them away, to distract them from their, their direction, and do not consent. They're trying to lure you away with deception to stare you. Uh, a fishing lure is not designed as a, as a fish toy. What's it designed to do? Catch you. And they're not catching you to make you a pet, are they? Any fisher people here that just say, well, I just wanted a pet. No. <laughs> it's for lunch. Okay? It's to consume. And they think, oh, shiny thing, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm just, they're trying to entice you to destroy you. And to keep you from being a reminder of their sin. It says, if sinners entice you, they lure you, do not consent. And I found this rather interesting. Uh, I was going back over, the word consent is abach. Say that with me. A bach. Kind of clear your throat. A bach. And it means to sigh or acquiesce. How many of you have ever done this? Somebody asks you, your kids, or somebody asks you to do something. 
It's not that you really want to. It's not, okay, yeah, that's what I want to do. Okay. It says, if sinners are enticing you, don't just go along with it. Amen? Amen. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's an important distinction. I hope you see it. Sometimes Christians are not trying to sin, but they okay. What's the harm? I'll give in a little bit here. What's the problem with that? You know, I'll let him do this. I'll, I'll, oh, okay. And you don't see the problem. But if you consent, if you acquiesce, you have made it that much tougher on you to take a stand. If you give in once, what what does that tell the, the kid if you you gave in once? I'll do it again. Then you have just made your life miserable. Yeah. I had a, a, a church secretary years ago, and uh, she was complaining to me about she, oh pastor I'm just so concerned about my my teenage son he won't come to church anymore so real. Does he still live at the house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he just, you know. I said, well, how long has this been going on? He says, well, he's been complaining for years. And then finally, I just, okay. Well, just. I says, you have your answer. You gave in. And so now he knows that all he has to do is keep pressuring you. And if you gave in once, you'll abach again. <laughs> so, if sinners entice you, do not consent or acquiesce. <clears throat> so we're continuing now in this youth segment that lasts from chapter 1, verse 8 to chapter 9, verse 18. Now, we are not hitting every proverb in that segment. We'd be here till Jesus comes, and I, I I'm, you know, well, we're going to be here till Jesus comes anyway, or until he takes us home. But uh, uh, some of them are kind of repetitive, but that's okay. We're going to hit some highlights of many of the Proverbs in this youth segment. So uh, we're just going to look at some selected Proverbs. You can read them all, okay? And if you have a question, write it, write it down about what that proverb means, and you bring it to me, and I will tailor make an answer for you, and uh, give you the insights on it. But uh, just for time's sake, we cannot hit every single nuance of a of a proverb. We're going to hit selected ones, and our first selected one is verse twenty-three. Would somebody read for us uh, Proverbs 1, 23? Well, before we do anything, we better pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon our study today. And Father God, as we study these Proverbs that are directed to those who are younger than we are, those that we can influence, those that we can share truth with, give us opportunities to share these truths with others. 
We pray your blessing upon your word as we study it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read it since I didn't have the show of hands yet. Proverbs 1, we'll start with verse 20 and move on from there. Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom calls out loud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gate in the city. She speaks her words. This is what wisdom is saying. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Now it's not talking about simplicity as being, you know, not over the top. It's talking about being stupid. Simple. Uh, anybody remember old statements about simpleton, Simon the simpleton? Okay. Simple Simon. Simple Simon. Uh, no, no, nobody, no, nobody remembers that. But how long, you you stupid people? How long you 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 just go? You know, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. So that's the starting proverb for today. That turn at my rebuke, and surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. What is this telling about wisdom, about God's wisdom, about walking and living in the fear of the Lord? Uh, what does this say to us? What is God trying to get across in this proverb? Don't be stupid. Yeah, don't be stupid. Yeah. Come on, I'm trying to work with you. I'm trying to help you. You know, uh, how many of you have known people that they are just determined to do stupid things? Just, just determined. I mean, they make it their mission in life. Here, let me see how stupid I can be. What stupid decisions I can make. Uh, Sharon and I were talking about this earlier before you got in. Uh, we know people that are just making continually stupid decisions that are messing up their life, and yet you tell them and they, huh? Uh, quit being stupid. What else is God trying to get through to us at this in this proverb? Wisdom is a her. Wisdom is a her. Okay, thank you. I knew somebody she cries out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Knew somebody to bring it up. I, I just, you know, it's uh it's uh yeah, Linda's the smart one in this package. I, I, I don't have a lot of wisdom, and uh, I'll, I'll do stupid things, and she will call me on it. And why'd you do that? Well, I really don't know. I, I just, I just, I'm just borderline stupid, and uh, I think I've crossed the border on numerous occasions. What else has God tried to tell us here about it? God's, uh, I, I think that uh, God is saying uh, that he's not going to just start giving out wisdom 
if people aren't going to be listening. So it's what I, I hear saying, stop what you're doing. Listen to me, and I'll give it to you. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. It starts off in verse 20 there, it starts off, wisdom is crying out. It's not that wisdom is not available. It's that people don't want to hear it. Yeah. Use me. Huh? Use me. Yeah. <laughs> people, people, uh, it's not that the wisdom's <coughs> not available. It says wisdom is out, is crying out loud outside where everybody's walking. But people keep on walking. And, and hey, you're walking away from me. And so in verse 23, he says, Turn at my rebuke. Wisdom sometimes is a rebuke. Can you think of any uh, wisdom or wise statement that you could make? Let's let's just deal with, with children for a moment. That you could make, but it would be a rebuke, but it would be a wise thing. Can you think of anything? Let me give you an illustration that you think of something. They're reaching up to the stove and a pan of boiling water is on the stove. What would you say? Don't touch that. Hey! Don't touch that. You would not say, oh honey, if you really want to touch that, that's fine. No. That would be stupid. You shout a rebuke. No. Stop. Don't do that. But it's wise, is it not? Yeah. It is a wise rebuke. Can you think of some other situations where your wisdom would sound like a, a rebuke, but it's for their own good? Uh, what are some other uh, 
warnings that can, or <laughs> wisdom statements that could sound like a rebuke. Don't put anything up your nose. Yes, don't. don't. <laughs> or your ear. Yeah, we, we had uh, four nieces and nephews living with us at one time that we were raising because of a bad situation. And one of the little girls was forever putting stuff in her ear. And I don't know if she's watching or not, but uh, her, name, her name was Rio, and Rio was always putting stuff in her ear. And it started, we, 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 she was complaining of an earache. And uh, we looked in there, and whoa, there's something, something in there. And took her to the doctor, pussy willows. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don't put pussy willows in your ear. You know, come on now. You know, it sounds like a rebuke, and it is, but it's wisdom. It's wisdom. Just a couple more. Anybody else? These are all good. Yeah. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. I I was not raised with seatbelts. I still I still struggle with it, but. Uh, trying to figure out a way to get rid of that noise. But uh, put your seatbelt on. Now, it's a rule, it's a law, and every time you take the, the nieces and nephews or whatever, have to say the same thing. Do you have your seatbelts on? Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, well, yeah. before we move the car, why? Because the government told you to. Because <laughs> we don't want you flying through the windshield. Uh, it's a rebuke, and yet it's wise. So he says, turn at my rebuke in verse 23 of chapter 1 of the Proverbs. Turn at my rebuke. So you have a picture here of wisdom. Hey! Don't put pussy willows in your ear. Don't play in the street. Don't touch the boiling pan on the stove. And the people are going, I don't know. I don't understand what the big problem is. So, put pussy willows in their ear. Amen.
rebuke. He says, turn at my rebuke. But he makes a promise that if people will turn at the wise rebuke, what will he do? What will God do? Uh, verse 23 is where we're at. Verse 23. If you turn from my rebuke, I will what? I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Amen? What a promise. If we'll turn at his rebuke, we'll listen to his wise statements then he's going to just pour out on us of his Holy Spirit and he's going to make his words so that bing, that we we come to know them. And we all know that that same phrase is used multiple times in scripture, right? Right. Right? Say right. 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 Well, let's read them. Uh, who'll do Joel 2 28-29 Mary Lou's got that one how about Acts 2 14-21 Shana will do that okay the exact same words spelled out and in the Hebrew in the Old Testament in Joel they are the exact same words in the phrase exactly the same uh Joel 2, 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay. It's turn at my rebuke. And if you'll do that, if you'll... Oh, okay. What are you saying? You'll look aside. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And then I'm going to guide you into all truth. Because that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The. Well read uh, uh, Acts 2. 14 through 21. But Peter standing up with the eleven. Raised his voice and said to them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you. And heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my men servant and all... And on my men servant and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they sh and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, think about it. I want you to get your imaginations rolling here. What's the picture in Proverbs 123? 
at 20 through 23. It's wisdom crying out loud outside where a large people group of people are passing, right? Isn't that the picture? In the concourse of the streets and the markets. And here we find about 3,000 years later, no, 2,000 years later, Simon Peter stands up on the Temple Mount, surrounded by tens of thousands of people. And he says, Men of Ju Judea, Jerusalem, I'm here to tell you this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. And he says, I, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You see the calling out loud outdoors to a large group. And that's exactly what Simon Peter was doing here, letting them know that God wants to pour out his spirit on you. And then after that, you're going to be used of him to do mighty things. So what we need to what do we need to share with those who are younger than us? And let me see your hands again. You have you know of somebody who is yes. younger than you are. Yes. Okay. What can we share with them from this proverb? <clears throat> You've got to love them enough to share wisdom, even if it sounds like a rebuke. And if they'll turn and listen to it, they'll turn and listen to it, they become a candidate for God to pour out His Spirit upon their lives and to guide them into all truth by the Holy Spirit. Boy, would that be a good thing for people who are younger than you? Yes. But I, I guess I've lived too long. I guess I have, because I see a generation out there, multiple generations, who are afraid to give that kind of wisdom to their kids, their grandkids, because they want to be their friends. Yeah. How many remember when it wasn't an issue, <laughs> a friendship with the kid? Anybody remember that? My mom and dad could care less about being Kenny's friend. They were my parent. And they shouted rebuke when I was doing stupid things. Fortunately, I listened. And I praise God that I did. The, but we live in a generation now where leaders, parents, teachers, whatever, are afraid to share the real truth because they might not like you. Am I the only one that sees this? No. It, it, it's, a, it's a scary time. Are they just going to wake up one day and say, no, I think I'd like to be wise. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. When you live stupid, you tend to stay stupid. And a 
nobody shares the rebuke of wisdom, they'll continue walking as they walk. Yes. What do you do when you get the feeling that they just won't listen to you and you give up? Because I've, I've kind of felt that way before. It's, you know, I may as well be talking to the wall. Yeah. They won't listen. And it goes back to the previous one that, that we talked about last week. My son, if sinners entice you, can sit thou not. Do not abach. Okay. When we abach, we abandon. You say, would I say it again and again and again and again? Well, think about how God feels. <laughs> oh. Has God ever, through his word or through witness or whatever, told you to correct some things in your life and you just went right on? Yes. Just went right on. Yes. Think how, if God could get frustrated, how frustrated he could get. Just with you. But he's got every person on the planet. Think about Jesus with his 12 disciples. He has invested three years personally walking and teaching them and they still are dumb as a box of rocks. They don't get it. They just, it just doesn't get through. Jesus could have given up but he didn't. He kept on. He kept on. He, and that's a God principle. God doesn't give up on you. He never gives Thank up. God. Aren't you glad? Yes. He doesn't give up. Amen. 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 How many of you would admit to times in your life where you were dumber than a box of rocks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And God didn't say, well, they're just going to stay stupid. I just let them. Be stupid and walk away from him. No, he didn't do that. He didn't walk away. I love that old song. You know I love old songs anyway. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. When we've been walking our own way, he's been shouting wisdom in our direction. But if we'll turn, he's going to pour out his spirit on us. He's going to transform us. He's going to do something special in our lives. And But if we reach the point where we do the Abach syndrome, okay, I'm tired of fighting about it. You know, I think of just stupid, I think of stupid things all the time, but uh, I try to make illustrations that can relate. Any parents here that you had to tell your kids to wash their hands before me? Did you ever have to do Did you just do it once when they were a little kid and they said, oh, okay, I'll do it all the time. I will never forget. 
How many of you ever had to repeat tell kids to pick up their clothes? Clean their room. Or just lift my hand up. Do your do your do your homework. Don't do that. The parents that have a bach can sit and just say, okay. I'm tired. You're abandoning them to their stupidity. It, it's an important thing to be. Well, this is probably not really great scripture, but it's it's true. It's important to be spiritually stubborn. I'm not giving up. As stupid as you act, I'm not giving up. Because that's that's the way God's been with you and me. As dumb as we've been, he hasn't given up on us. And uh, here we, we get tired. How many of you know that weariness of I've told them, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times. How many of you use that phrase. If I told you once, I've told you a hundred times. Well, that was early. Later on in life, if I told you once, I told you two million times. And uh, pick up your clothes. I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm not going to tell you one more time. My son, you can't do that with him. My, my son was sharp. I made the mistake of doing that. I'm not going to tell you again. He says, good. <laughs> Tickle you all the way to your stomach. I said, uh-uh. I said, 
Don't believe me. Okay. And I started eating one, and I got a grin on my face. Well, he picked one up, he ate it, and he started laughing. He said, Dad, you're right, I feel it. He loved, he loved broccoli ever since. Okay. Never mind. I, I, I think that is a good example of being spiritually stubborn. Even some some parents just up give up. They just give up. Okay. Uh, we have the thing right now with, it, it's funny you say about the vegetables because the, the niece and the nephew uh, have never been at, required to eat vegetables of any kind or to have manners or to chew with their mouth closed or any such thing. And uh, so it's a, every meal is an adventure. But my daughter is gifted with the same stubbornness <laughs> of her parents. She says, well, no snacks, no dessert. Good for you. And you're not leaving the table until you, no fair. I didn't say it was fair. It's just the way it is. And eventually, uh, the other night it was, uh, I forget what vegetable it was, but, uh, oh, it was carrots cooked carrots, glazed carrots. I mean, even had brown sugar on And uh, fought with us for over an hour. And then uh, finally acquiesced because the other got to go play because he had eaten his. And she took, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, It's a costly thing to continue to cry wisdom out as a rebuke. And it appears like you accomplish more by talking to the wall and complimenting them. How many of you know the wall's not going to answer you? And you, you feel like you feel like it's just going there and dropping to the ground and there's no but someplace, sometime. It's going to come back. Yeah. You see, you remember the prodigal son? Yeah. He didn't want a thing to do with daddy's house rules. And he's, I'm, as soon as I get my money, I'm getting out of here. And he left. Daddy didn't make him stay. He just go. But he didn't follow him either. But he was looking for it. He was watching for it. And in a far distant country, when he's reaching down to grab a hold of some <coughs> stuff, out of the pig's mouth. <laughs> he comes to himself. He says, what in the world am I doing? And then he remembered <coughs> meals at daddy's house. We had steak. I'm eating old corn cobs. Covered in mud. How stupid am I? And the father's house became very attractive to him. So much so that he said, I don't even, I don't, I'm not worthy to be his son. I've sinned against him and against God. But my, his servants have it better than this. I will arise and go to my father and I'll repent. And while I was a great distance off, his father saw him and ran to meet him and welcomed him back as a son. He had not changed his house rules. 
but his house rules and his love had changed his son. So, Amen. don't abach. <laughs> don't abandon wisdom crying out. There's a verse 24 goes on about the cost or the price of rejecting God's wisdom. Look at verse 24. Because I called and you refused. No way. I have stretched out my hand and nobody regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, godly counsel, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, and when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They'll seek me diligent, they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. We're back to the fear of the Lord. You say, well, that sounds kind of mean. Well, how many of you have ever bailed somebody out of a bad situation? Yes. And they got right back in it because yes. they, they wanted your help, but they didn't want your wisdom. Yes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. I see nods. Yes. If there's marbles in there, I'd hear it rattling. But, but, you know, I have not helped a person if I have merely gotten them out of their situation and they are unchanged yeah. in their relationship. I haven't really helped them. I've told you these stories before, I know, but, but like, for instance, I have... Uh, he hasn't come around in a while, but I have a group of people, individuals who come at various times wanting a handout. And uh, uh, the first week I was here, I helped one. And then I noticed that about the same time the next month, they were back. And I had to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with them. And this one person was always came on a Sunday morning, right as I'm getting ready for church, Sunday school church and wanted this, that, or the other. And I said, look, I said, uh, I helped you last month. And you're back in the same exact situation. What is different about this month than last month? They don't get it. I, I said, um, <laughs> have you got, I, I he had a large family, I says, have you gotten your family in the church? He said, I don't have time to get in the church. On Sundays I go out getting help. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, that's the point. You know, that's the point. I'm not going to help. Boom. I says, but I knew his address. I said, there's a good church right around the corner from you. If you'll get your family in that church, what you'll find out is when you get your life in tune with God and you're in a local church, that local church will help you when you have problems. And if they are not able to help you, you have that pastor call me and let me know that you're faithfully bringing your kids into church. And you're trying. 
Trinity will help you. So I told him that. He went, okay. Next month he's back. <laughs> same, same problem. Same, same issue. Needs this, needs yeah, that. Yeah. And I said, what did I tell you last month? You told me that if I got into church, you'd help me. I says, yeah. Have you gotten into No. And I says, well, nothing's changed then, has it? If you do the same thing and don't change, you're going to get the same thing you've always gotten. Right? Right. It's called insanity. Yes. If you do the same thing and expect different results, you're stupid. <laughs> and I said, I can't help you. I, it's not that I won't help you or that I can't help you. I won't help you. I won't help you because that would not be helping you. Right. Next month, you'll be in the same situation until there's a change. I've told you before that it goes on and on and he skipped a few months and then he, he came back and the, the last, I think it was the last time he was here was when he came over the 4th of July weekend and, and said, uh, so I, I don't need any, any uh, money or anything. I said, oh, good. Have you gotten into No, too busy for that. And he says, well, we were thinking we'd like to have grilled steaks out for the 4th of July. <laughs> and I need a grill and steaks. <laughs> See, the Lord is saying here, I'm not just going to bail you out so you can do the same stupid stuff again because you've not heeded my rebuke. Is God being mean? No. He is showing greater love. Because sometimes we will help people out to just get our conscience solved and, and uh, salve our conscience, but we haven't helped anybody. We've pushed it down the road. We kicked the can down the road. And so the Lord is not showing anything other than great love, say, you're going to cry if you haven't heeded my wisdom. I cannot. I won't help you because it wouldn't be helping you. It wouldn't get you any place better than where you are because you have not heeded the wisdom. And I know, I know parents, I know people that are on this continual, perpetual guilt trip. And I, I, I should, probably should help them. <sighs> Abach. Abach. You know, and, and it, but am I really helping them? No. If they have not heeded something that will change their lives so that they are in contact with the source that we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're, they're in contact with the source of living water. So, the benefits of wisdom are also found in segment D on your outline. I've only got a few minutes left here. Uh, the benefits of wisdom, section D, Proverbs 3, 1 through 8 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Let your, what does that mean? Let your heart keep my commandments. Hide his word in your heart. 
I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's not just going through the motions, but your heart is in it too. It's not just, I know people like, like the elder brother in the story of the, the prodigal son. He never left, right? He was still working in dad's fields. He was in dad's house abiding by dad's rules. But his heart wasn't right. Remember the, the elder brother? You're looking at me like, yeah. huh? The elder brother, what was his attitude? When his brother came back. He was mad because his father took him back. He was mad. He was angry because his dad took his brother back. Now there's a good brother for you. And, and uh, you never did this for me. He said, well, I didn't have to do that for you. You're, you have everything already. He's already received his inheritance, a double portion. Because he's the eldest, right? Right. Think about it. He divided up his wealth. Isn't that what the, starts off in the in the story of the of the, the prodigal son? He the rich wealthy man divided his sus, substance substance between his two boys. The eldest son in those situations got a double portion because they were responsible for caring for the household and even for their elderly parents. Yes. I like that. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, so, so the elder son, he has a double portion of everything. And he's angry because his dad didn't do that for him. His dad already did more than that for you. You can be in the father's house, doing the father's will, and doing the father's work with all of the, the father's promises, and still have your heart not be right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. People can go by the rules and their heart's not in it. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. If you continue like the elder brother, his heart wasn't in being in his father's house and the rules and everything. He wasn't at peace. He was in turmoil. He was angry. Rather than excited that his brother who was lost is now back, he's mad. <coughs> he's, but if you have it in your heart to keep those things, his commandments, you'll have a peace. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So your heart is to be influenced by God's mercy and his grace. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. These are some powerful proverbs, folks. Some powerful stuff. That it's got to be a heart issue. Well, let, let me take one more. Okay, one more. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 3. Somebody read verse 5 and 6 for me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Yes. Ooh, what a great proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, this is right after verses 4, okay? It's after verses 1 through 4. It's a heart 
that is inscribed with God's mercy and God's grace. And if we trust in the Lord with that kind of heart, amen? And not lean on our own understanding, in all of our ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your paths. Whoa, what a great proverb. Uh, what does it mean? Let's look at the, at the words of that proverb. Trust. What is trust? What is trust? Confidence that you know he's going to be there. Confidence that you know he's going to be there. What else? How else would you define trust? Faith. Faith. Yes. Uh, reliance. Um, have you ever had this happen? I, I have it happen all the time. Um, you're leaning on something, and it moves. Now, I had a problem with this several years ago. Back with John Slavy. Well, John Slavy, uh, he was a handyman, a craftsman. He could do anything. And he said, Pastor, every time you move the pulpit, it takes three men and a boy to move it because it's so heavy. I'm going to put some rollers, some casters on it. Well, John, that's a great idea. Because I'm one of the three men and a boy that had to move the goofy thing when we were doing things on the platform. And I'll never forget the Sunday after he finished his work. And you know me, my, my habit is I'll come up alongside the, the pulpit and I'll, I'll lean on it. And that thing shot over that way. And I'm, I'm fumble, stumble, bumbling, trying to catch myself. My, my faithful deacons are laughing themselves to death on the front row. I leaned on something that shouldn't have been leaned upon. And we have since moved the casters from the bottom of the pulpit. And it still takes three men and a boy. But, but, but it's safer for me now. You can lean on things that you shouldn't lean on. Uh, trusting. You can trust the Lord. You can trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's it talking about there? Is it talking about the love dove? Uh, the Valentine's Day heart? What, what's it talking about here? He'll always be there for you. And he'll always be. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The, the real essence of your being. Your spirit. Yes. It's just down deep. Trust. Not a superficial thing, but it's with your wholeheartedly, with all your heart. Have you ever had somebody that worked with you or worked for you that did his job half-heartedly? Yeah. <laughs> What's that do for you? <laughs> any 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 experiences you want to share? Huh? See, yeah, I've worked with those kind of people for 26 and a half and if you do your job wholeheartedly, what does it feel like to you when you see people doing a half-hearted job? It burns you up. Yeah. It burns you up? <laughs> just want to smack them. I've had people come to me and say, uh, you're making me look bad. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, and, and I say to them, I'm not the one making you look bad. <laughs> You're doing a good job all by yourself. Yeah, I uh, I got into trouble at uh, Bell Telephone because I was I was doing more 
than I was required to do. Mm. And I had the labor union rep pull me aside. Mm -hmm. He says, Dean, I've had to file a grievance against you. Are you? Uh, no, I'm not kidding. He says, Keith, oh. he says, uh, you remember the other day when your supervisor came in and he was going on a business trip down to Southern Ohio and he asked you to carry his bags out to the car and you did? So that's not in your job description, Keith. Oh, boy. Huh? I got written up. <laughs> You know, Crazy. and it was one of those things where this guy did, he found ways to not do anything all day long. Yeah. And uh, it makes you look, makes them look bad. Yeah. Half-hearted people are very aggravating to me. Yeah. Very aggravating. Do you hate them? No. I'm just aggravated at them. Yeah. Because they're not doing their best so they can never feel a sense of accomplishment. At the end of the day, they realize they haven't put it all in there. They haven't tried. I used to coach Little League uh, flag football. And we'd have some, some kids at the end of the game, win or lose, they had left it all on the field. They have tried their little hearts out the best ever. But you had a few. Oh, we lost. Yeah. You know, the, the ones who wholeheartedly played were devastated for a period of time because they, they tried their hardest. And it was so aggravating to see those half-hearted kids. Eh, they didn't want to come to practice. They didn't, eh, they didn't expect. They didn't want to work up a sweat. They didn't want to mess up their clothes, you know. But uh, half-hearted. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and then lean not on your own understanding. Why shouldn't you lean, put your trust or lean on your own understanding? You might fall. You go have ropers on your ball. That's, that's <laughs> It sounded like such a great idea when John mentioned it. But I found out that that was my understanding of the situation. I leaned on that and it let me down. Yeah. My, my understanding of situations always lets me down. Lean not, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put your confidence in Him. Lean not on your own understanding. We only see a limited picture. Uh, the Bible tells us we see through a glass darkly. Uh, how many of you would admit, how many of you park your cars outside? You don't have a garage, you park them outside. Okay. Some of you have a garage and still park your car outside. Yeah. You got a joke. That's a whole other illustration. That's a whole other illustration. You know, every morning when it's frosty and everything, Lynn's car's in, inside the garage. She just has to start up, open the garage door, and back out. I go out, and there's this heavy duty frost all over my window. But I'm lazy. <coughs> I've never <coughs> tried the technique of using my windshield wipers, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then I then I get some high-powered window washer fluid. You ever tried that one? Oh, yeah. Where you push the window, and it 
but then it freezes instantaneously. <laughs> you buy, you buy the good fluid. You buy the good fluid. And you buy the good fluid if you're going to do that. <laughs> but sometimes, before my windows are completely clear, I think, well, I, if I lean this way, if I scrunch down this way, I think I could make it to the end of the, the, the road there, and, and it ought to clear off by that time. This is stupid. This is stupid personified. What, why is looking through a glass darkly not a great idea? Looking through your window with frost on it. You don't see the whole You cannot see the whole picture. You cannot see. And I'm so stubborn. Now, I have a perfectly good ice scraper in the back of my car. But I'm so stubborn some mornings. I'm sitting there, I'm in my car, praying for the, the defroster to do its job. I've sprayed the stuff on. I've done, and so I still can't see out of my side windows. So rather than go back and get my scraper, guess what I did? I roll those windows down. Praise God for power so I'm So there I am. Little bitty hole here. And I roll these down. I'm freezing to death. And now the inside of the windows are cold too because I rolled down the side windows so I could see because there's frost on the other windows. And then I start easing back out. And then I look both ways and look again. We have a little side street just, and somebody will come up there invariably and just speed around there and I just slam on the brakes. Because looking through a glass darkly uh, I'm leaning on my own understanding. I don't see everything. I just can't see everything. Even with all four windows down and the, the, the heater on and everything else. And then finally, stupid Ken will stop and say, you know what, I really ought to scrape those windows. Yes. <laughs> you need automatic start. That's what I do now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll consider that. But, but uh, my understanding is clouded, but his is not. He sees the whole picture. Yes. He knows the whole picture from the beginning of time until the end of time. And I just got a little, little hole I'm looking through. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? What does this proverb say? He will direct. And the word there in the Hebrew is yashar. And it means to make straight. He will make your path straight. You're not going to be wandering around, going every which way. He's going to straighten out your path so you're going the right way the first time. If you've ever been on a detour, oh, grown of a truck driver, if you've ever been on a detour, the people who lay out the detour path are certifiably insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for a straight path. Oh, for a straight path. We're going to have to stop there today. We're way out of time. I'm sorry. But uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, 
live in the fear of the Lord. Yes. And you know what he'll do for you? He will make your path straight. He will direct your path. He'll show us the shortest route and the best route to go to in our quest to follow him. We're going to stop there for today. Praise God. So, prayer request today. We want to, Judy is not feeling well? Yes. Uh, my mom is now in the hospital. Uh, I've not gotten updated word yet, but it doesn't sound like she's going to make it. Um, she bled out. They've uh, had to resuscitate her twice. The uh, sore that she had that they cleaned out and weren't able to get all the gangrene out. It's in her bones. Her uh, blood pressure is so low they can't do surgery to do anything about it. And uh, they can't do anything about the uh, bleeding because her blood pressure is too low for them to do anything about it. Where is she at? Uh, in uh, uh, Crandall Falls, Oregon. Oregon. What's her name? Her name's Kath, uh, Nancy. And um, the doctor called for family meeting yesterday. I haven't heard the result yet. Does she know the Lord? Yes. Okay, praise God. So we'll pray for her today. Uh, Dad is very confused and upset. Other prayer requests today? Unsaved loved ones? Yes. Uh, Jerry, uh, my husband, he's doing better. He's already asked prayer for him. He's young. So he's doing better. Give me that name again. Jerry Cantor. Jerry. And also, I know this might be silly, but Bobby just got a, a refrigerator a couple months ago and it's not working. So I hope, mm. you know, we can get that straightened out. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Other prayer requests? Yes. Uh, Kate called me this morning and said that she was uh, doing a little uh, weak and uh, woozy mm -hmm. and uh, she asked for prayer. Okay. Remind you that after service this morning, those who would like to, uh, you're still doing the yes, sir. making uh, sack lunches for the homeless yes, over in the fireside room. And uh, so you want to go over there and hit? That would be great. Other here and then here. I have two friends, uh, one's named Lynn, one's named Kelly, and they're going through some bad times. Lynn and Kelly. Yeah. Kim? Uh, pray for my mother-in-law, Nancy. Mother-in-law, Nancy. Yeah. Well, Harold and I are just getting over being sick. We'd uh, keep us in prayer with our recovery. Okay. A bit of a praise report. Pam. Uh, Church here mm -hmm. uh, has a friend, uh, uh, Laura. She has uh, cancer, and uh, Pam uh, sent me a message this morning saying that Laura accepted the, the Lord. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Well, let's go to prayer. Can we have a, several lead us out in a word of prayer today over these matters? And I'll close in just a little bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and what he, he will direct your path
Several leave this out imperfectly. Well, we just thank you for this time together. Uh, Lord, for the, the, the study that we've had, um, for being able to grow in uh, your word and the knowledge. Lord, we just ask uh, so many uh, requests that, Lord, we just ask that you just, uh, you know each one and that you just uh, take care of all those situations, Lord. Uh, we just ask that. And Lord, just uh, to keep, uh, keep us safe as we go home, Lord, also that, uh, Lord, that we have people turn out to help make lunches for the homeless. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Heavenly Father, as we say these names, you know everything about the situation. Yes. So, Father, as we lift up Jerry and yes. we lift up Kate, yes. we lift up uh, Kim's mother-in-law, as we lift up uh, each of these situations, we lift up Sierra and her recovery from surgery. We thank you for what you've already done. We we lift up Mike and his recovery from yes. knee replacement yeah. surgery. And, uh, so many that are battling uh, a myriad of diseases for Tom and Marcia, for others that need a healing touch. We lift up those that are on our hearts because they don't know you as yet. We lift up uh, those who are going through difficult struggles like, like uh, Grace's friends we pray, Father, for, for Jay's mom and for those of us who are walking through a variety of circumstances that we just need your wisdom. We're thankful for the promises of the Proverbs. If we can lean on you and not our own understanding, we acknowledge you. We live in the fear of the Lord. You will direct our paths. You'll make our paths straight and direct. We ask, Father God, that the remainder of this day, you will lead us across the path of someone who needs what we've studied today. Someone who needs that word in season. We pray, Father, that we would not just sigh and acquiesce, but that we would share with others the wisdom that is crying out. Because we know that you want to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. We give you praise for it today, Father. We ask for your touch. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Happy Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day. Thank you for Valentine's Day. Gobble, gobble, gobble. did not sign up for the Valentine's uh, dinner uh, tomorrow night, let me know now so I can call in the added numbers. What are you going to about? We're going to the Old Corral. It's in our...